Well, good morning. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm a pastor here. This week, what we're doing is we're continuing our series that we've been calling Rooted in Faith. And, and what we've been doing for these kind of first two months of this year is encouraging you to let the traditional practices of a follower of Jesus sink down deep into your life. Not have it be something you just believe on Sundays, not something you just maybe try for a while. But this series, it's meant to talk about the things that will help you get rooted in this lifelong journey as a Christian so that your faith sticks forever. Now, there are a number of things Jesus was thinking his followers would, would, wouldn't just try, but he expected them to train with and prioritize with their life as he did. This is in Matthew 16, 24 to 25. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Giving up our own way, our own desires, or even like what makes sense sometimes, and doing some of the practices of Je or that Jesus did, is the act of living out that verse, right? So what we're going to be talking about and talking about in this series is giving up maybe some of our desires or just doing what's fun or convenient, giving up those things and being intentional about doing the things Jesus did or taught us to do. Things like engaging with the Bible or praying or worshiping God, raising your family in faith, serving, being a part of a church community and sharing your faith. Now, as you sit here today, like, where are you at with these? Where are you at with these currently? Are you training with them? Or are you maybe just trying towards them? Or, or maybe tried at one point and it wasn't really for you, so you're, you don't do it. I'll be the first to say, like, I've struggled with all of these before. I've gone through moments where I felt like I tried them, it didn't really work, and then it just kind of stopped. How about you? Are, you are, are there some of those that you're not doing today? We, we won't be perfect at these, like, at, at any point. We won't have them all figured out completely at any point. But we are to have this heart and this mindset knowing these are things we absolutely need to do as a Christian to be rooted in our faith. So what we're doing each week of the series is talking and taking time to understand why. Why should we train in these? And then how? How should we train in these? Like, literally, we're giving you some reasons to help get yourself to start training in these, even for the person who knows they should do these things, but have like zero inner desire to actually do it. Uh, we're helping you. We're helping people like that, which might be kind of strange to hear a pastor say it that way because all of these habits, right? Like, I think we could all respond with like knowing like these habits, they're good. Yeah, like the Bible, the Bible says to do them, right? Or a Christian should just do them. And we know that statement. And I like that comment as well. But when we really get down to it, many of us know that, but we still don't do it. So what we're doing is we're looking at, at both the spiritual side of why you would maybe train with each of these, because the Bible does tell us to do it. And at one point, I hope that's enough to keep you and I doing them consistently, simply because God's word says we should, and we simply want to be obedient to God. But then we're also looking at each of these from a practical sense as well as to why it might even be beneficial for you to start doing these things. Like there are some things like God says to do that we just got to do and be obedient to. But usually there are some positive reasons for why God wants us to do certain practices. Again, 
I get what I'm doing in this message series. It's not like the typical Christian church approach to some of these things, to getting you maybe to start these practices. But the reason we're doing it this way at this church is I don't know if you've noticed this or not with like your community or your circles of people or the people you just interact with daily. But the practicing Christian is declining. If you look at this graph, this, there was a study that was done. The red line is, is a practicing Christian. So it's like in 2000, it kind of like was at 45%. And then it slowly has declined to 25%. Uh, then the, the blue or the turquoise one was the non-practicing Christian. Someone who would say they're a Christian, but they're not really practicing with it. That has actually increased. The non-practicing Christian has increased. And then the person who is a non-Christian, that has also increased. People maybe will still identify as a Christian these days, but being one who is rooted in the things Jesus was, doing the spiritual practices, is declining with followers. I want to change that. I want to change that by encouraging you to start some of these practices, and then not just trying to do them in your life, but helping you see that we need to commit to a life training with them. So far, what we've covered in the series is engaging with the Bible and praying this week, we're, we're talking about training towards being a person who serves or serving. In Scripture, we see that Jesus serves others countless times. But there's one time in particular where he does this servant-like act to his disciples, something typically the lowest in the room would do for others. And what it does is it sets the standard for us because after Jesus does this act, he says this. He says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus serves us humans and then tells us to do as he's done and serve others. But how and why, right? And honestly, why would serving or volunteering be this spiritual practice or, or of God's ways that will help us stay rooted, which is what we're going to get to today. But to just get us like kind of going uh, on the topic of serving right now, when you think of a person who serves, what do you think of? Who do you think of? I think of like maybe like a restaurant server. Like it's nice. You just sit, you order, and they bring it to you, right? Like it's awesome. Or I think of someone who, who is paid to take care of my needs. Like I'm so used to like DIY and everything. It would be nice just to pay someone to do my taxes, you know, like take care of that house project. Just like do every like just take care of everything. I think, I think of maybe someone who is sacrificial when I think of serving, like someone who maybe served in the military or, or uh, and like sacrifice in that way. But the main thing that comes to mind for me uh, when I think of serving is Chick-fil-A for some reason. Maybe it's because I'm hungry this morning. But is anyone a fan? Who's a fan of Chick-fil-A? Okay, those are my true honest people. Okay, great. Chick-fil-A is always serving well, except on Sundays, right? But their company's purpose is to, to glorify God by being a faithful steward or, or like a servant per se of all that is entrusted to us. And that, to them, they see that as like their employees they need to be stewards of, their customers, the talents that are within their group. Now, who's been before? Who's been the Chick-fil-A? Okay, okay, lots. I love getting a pulse on our church. So I, I, I wanted this to take like 30 seconds on this. What's your favorite chicken restaurant? I just want, I, I'm curious, Pump and Pantry? Is it KFC? Popeyes or Chick-fil-A? Who, so who's Pump and Pantry? No one. It's cheap chicken. It's tasty. You should try it. How about KFC? Okay, okay, a few of you. 
Popeyes? Oh, more than more than last service or Chick-fil-A. Yes, those are my people. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> anyways, did anyone go to Chick-fil-A during COVID or like as COVID and restaurants were kind of shut down? Anybody go like through the drive-thru? Okay, so this is kind of my experience with Chick-fil-A in the drive-thru. Check it out. Sir, welcome to Chick-fil-A. How can I help you? How you doing, sir? Um, can I get the uh, Chick-fil-A Deluxe? Yes, sir. Hey, sir, actually, can you move up behind this car? Like, keep moving. Right up there. Okay. So, just because the car is behind us. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, can I get the Chick-fil-A Deluxe? Uh, yes, does it come with lettuce? Oh, yes, sir, it does, actually. It does? Okay. Yes, I don't actually want lettuce oh, I'll there. Take it off. Yes, that's sir. fine. Okay. okay. Um, also, uh, just, can I get some barbecue sauce? Oh, yeah, sir, yeah. Is that cool? What, are you any other condiments? Um, no, I think I'm good, sir. Okay, actually, so what about drinks? What about um, drinks? Let, me, let, me get a, let me get a high C. Is that high cool, C? sir? Okay, sir. Um, That'll be actually $12.99. $12.99. $12.99. Oh, okay, thank you, sir. Thank you. That service, right? Like, the attitude, the tone, the hustle, the talent to pull that off, too, right? Like, this is a parody, right? And it's meant to be funny. But if you've been through a drive-thru, it's very funny because it's pretty close to reality. And the reason being is, is Chick-fil-A employees, they have like this drive to serve, to go above and beyond what's necessary. But why? Why? Like, I actually, like, I know some Chick-fil-A employees and I knew them prior to working at Chick-fil-A and it wasn't like they were the most servant-like person or that like Chick-fil-A like has this hold on all the people who, who like serving others and that's why you'd work there. But they kind of do at the same time because, like, the stats prove it. Like, for nine straight years, Chick-fil-A has been the customer satisfaction fast food restaurant. Like, the stats prove it. Chick-fil-A has gotten the number one spot over and over. It's like there's something magical in those red polos and black pants or something that maybe just makes you care for others more or be faster or fitter or into the line of saying my pleasure, right? <laughs> Now, are those things Jesus wanted from us when it comes to serving? Or, or, or what is it, actually, that Jesus wants when it comes to serving? Because I'm being a bit silly, right? But I'm priming us up for truly reflecting on what is serving as Jesus tells us to. If we go back to the time where we see Jesus serve his disciples, we can kind of get this full picture of like what Jesus intends from us. And, and in Jesus' situation, it involved feet. Now, that's a, that's a nice pair of feet, but feet are gross. Yuck. Like, those are gross. But it involves feet, and I'm going to set the scene for you. Uh, it says this, that it was where we're starting. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that this hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and, re and would return to God. So Jesus is kind of in his last days on earth before his trial and death, and they were celebrating Passover, a tradition where they would reflect and eat together as a group. But Passover, or essentially any meal back then, you would typically wash your feet before you would eat because feet are nasty, right? But more specifically, feet were, would be dirty because you would have been probably wearing sandals or even barefoot in a less clean era of time. So things would have been rubbing up against you like, like dirt and poop and waste and animals, right? I mean, anyone like wear like tacos or like teens or tivas? And your feet are just disgusting afterwards, nevertheless, like, stinky. For some reason, those things, like, bring in the smell. 
Uh, even in our cleaner society, right? It still happens. Or even like flip-flops, right? Oh, that makes me think of summer. Feels, oh, I miss summer, right? Uh, but anyways, but when you would wear these in like a dirt-filled place, sandals, your feet got dirty, especially back then. So a party back then would typically have like a bowl available with maybe a towel, maybe even a servant there to help with the foot washing. And in this exact situation we're talking about, we don't get a description of there actually being a servant there to do that, nor even that there's a wa- like a bowl of water or a towel that's available there for people to use. In my mind, when I kind of think of that scene, the setup sounds like a typical dude party. It really does. Like, dude, you got napkins for this? Nope. Paper towels? Nope. Plates? Nope. Table at least, you know? Well, I got this cool pool table, right? Like, that's like, I thought we were here for dinner, right? <laughs> yeah, well, this is the pool table. So maybe it wasn't quite like that. But in both situations, they got the food. And in our Bible story, the typical washing supplies, it's not like available per se or accessible for them right away. So instead of someone saying like, hey, I'll just tidy up a bit and like, I'll get it all set for us to make the experience better for us. Like usually if women would be at a dude party, they would definitely take responsibility and do something like that to help everyone out, the responsible gender of the two, right? But in this situation, no one does anything except Jesus. And it says this, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. He gets the stuff needed, and he could have just been like, you guys are filthy. Like, clean yourself, right? But no, he keeps going. It says, then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. First off, can you imagine another grown man washing your feet? Weird. All right, weird. But your teacher, your God, the person who you have, like, utmost respect with, very weird, right? It says, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. Peter has reservations about this. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Hang on to that last comment because That means something that we're going to revisit at the end of the message. But Jesus continues washing. It says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So Jesus tells us to serve others. But more specifically, he models it through his actions, right? He shows that even though he's Lord or teacher, the way of God is to serve others. And and this is why it's a Christian practice today. And it's the spiritual reason why we should serve. Serving others is what Jesus modeled and told us to do. If you're like me, though, you like to poke and question. And the question I have is, like, really, God? Why? Why serving? Why serving as the method and the mindset of you? Like, I get that you did it. Like, I get that Jesus did that. And you tell me, like, I should do it. But but why? Why? Because I don't know about you, but, like, butlers, servants, paying others to tidy up things for you or care for you, it seems better. 
Like, Jesus, have you ever been to, like, a resort or, like, some fancy beach where, like, people care for you? They rub your feet. They, they bring you a drink. And there's no cleaning involved by you ever. It's amazing. It's amazing. Serving others doesn't sound amazing at first glance. So why? Like, why have that be the way you chose and to tell us to do? And the answer to that that we can kind of see in the Bible is because of love. Like many of you know, like the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Because of sin and wrong in the world from us, our bad choices, our bad mess-ups, it separates us from a perfect God. And, and we just couldn't get back to him by doing things that make us better because we're blemished. We can't get back to his perfect ways without him. Like, we're no good at living obedient to him anyways and following his ways perfectly. But since he still wants us and loves us, he chases us for another chance with him. So to do so, he can't just lower his godly standards of like, I guess it's good enough. I guess you're good enough now. He gave the only option of payment that would make up for our wrongs that separated us from him. And what, and what that was was Jesus. God walking with us as a human on earth as we should. God giving or serving through offering his perfect life that he lived here on earth for us, taking on the consequences and punishments that we deserved that he did not. But he does it so that we can be made right forever and be with God. It's amazing, right? Because it's this act of love that we experience from God of him serving us. And when we take all that in, we start to want to love too. It says in 1 John 4, 19, it says, We love because he first loved us. So what these passages are kind of showing us is, is God chose to serve us, to get us closer to a state of being in a better place because he loved us. And when we experience that love, the Bible tells us we naturally respond by also wanting to love, or in other words, serve. So today, if you aren't loving or have at least a little desire to serve others, you probably haven't felt the love of God before. Let that one sink in for a second. I'll say it again. Like, if you aren't loving or have at least a little desire to serve and love others, you probably haven't felt the love of God before. Because when you felt the love of God, that even in your wrong and even in your messiness, even in your dumb decisions that you've made, he still loved you and served you as in went to death for you to make things right for you. And that countless mistake that you're going to keep on doing or probably keep on doing for, for, for on and on and on. So if you don't have the desire to serve, you might need to take a mental step back and simply experience or, or re-experience the love of God. And how you can do that today is really reflect on your own life and how much he served you. It's something we tend to avoid. Like, who loves like looking at their past wrongs or their dirty laundry of the past? Like no one does. It's not fun. Look, thinking about our sinfulness of where we've come from, right? Like no one likes that. But when we remind ourselves of that and know that God still loved us and loves you and is still willing to serve you in that, even in the midst of doing wrong, you see his love. And when you realize that you have his love, even in that state, you want to do something in response, which is love back. I want to just take like a moment, one more minute out of this message and say, if you've never accepted that, that, that God has served and sacrificed for you because of his love, 
or you've never really seen it that clearly before, um, I'd love to give you an opportunity to, to, to say that to God and to embrace that to God, that you want him, you want to experience his love and acknowledge that, that you've messed up and you need his forgiveness. So today, if you want that, you could say something simply like this in your head, in your heart to God, something like, God, I want your forgiveness and love. I know you serve me by being a servant and sacrifice for my wrongs. Please forgive me my mistakes and help me follow your lead or leadership. And when you do that, you're a Christian. It's you embracing this free gift and love from God. But no, maybe after you've done this or, or maybe you did this a while ago or years ago, this love you experience, it should move you to want to love, which in tune is serving others. This is spiritually why we serve. It's the way of Jesus. He told us to do it. And ideally, the reason you serve is purely because of this. But again, sometimes we're still hesitant. So now we're going to kind of dive into the practical side of things today. Like, really, why should we serve? Like, why should, it, why, why should I serve? And I think it might be valuable for you to, to know that there are actually positive or personal benefits of serving. The Cleveland Clinic it's a, a medical society. They, they show that there are so many things that can be resolved and helped just biologically within us when we serve. For example, like it says like our brain secretes feel-good chemicals when we serve. We have lower blood pressure, a longer lifespan. Uh, Gift-giving or volunteering can reduce your levels of cortisol, which is the stress hormone that can make you feel overwhelmed and anxious. Serving elevates happiness and combats feelings of depression. Like, is it coincidence that the thing Jesus calls us to do, serve, is the thing that might solve some of our biological struggles today? Is it coincidence that some of us are struggling with some of these things, anxiety, stress, depression, and not serving others? Like, if there ever was a selfish motivation to maybe just start training it by serving others, this is it, right? I don't know about you, but like, I want more feel-good chemicals. That sounds great. Or less stress or more happiness. And those are some of the practical reasons why you would maybe, maybe want to start serving. But the greatest thing that happens when you choose to serve because of Jesus, or maybe even just selfishly at first, is you enter in being on his team and mission. So for the rest of our time today, I want to talk about what it looks like to be on team Jesus. Jesus didn't just model serving because it's what he wants from us. It's part of it. It definitely is part of it. Jesus didn't just serve because it's the way of God and his kingdom. Like, it's part of it. Jesus didn't just model serving for us because it helps you biologically. It's part of it. But Jesus chose to show us the importance of serving because he desires our participation in caring for the world with him. He wants, to part, he wants us to partner with him in serving the world. So to bluntly put, why you should be rooted in, on Team Jesus and serving on Team Jesus is you've been saved to serve and you've been gifted to serve. If we just look at each of these briefly, like you've been, you've been saved to serve. Galatians 5.13, it says, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. God didn't just go through all the grueling consequences for you so that you could be like, thanks, God. I'm just going to chill and maybe see you in a few years here, right? No, you've been saved to serve, to save the world. 
to bring the news and, and the love of God to others. Are you doing that today? If so, how? Like, is it with caring for others? Is it with making meals? Maybe it's singing at church. Is it, is it giving? Is it helping children or the next generation? What is it? Because if you aren't serving, you aren't fulfilling the purpose of your salvation. Like I get this is such a simple statement, but if you are feeling purposeless, are you serving? If not, start. Because you have been saved to serve. Your salvation is permanent when you connect with God. But you, but just like your salvation is permanent, so should your desire and your relationship with serving be. Maybe you are serving right now and you aren't feeling the purpose. You're like, I, I am serving and I'm still not feeling that purpose, which is going to shift to our next point. You've been gifted to serve. You've been gifted to serve. You're created uniquely and spiritually gifted by God to serve in some way. If you are feeling purposeless, maybe you're not doing the right thing. Maybe you're not serving in the right area. Like, I mean, I mean this in the most positive way ever, but there are some strange gifts and talents that people have, right? Aren't there? There are some very strange things that, like, that people are able to do. Here's one I saw the other day. Strange workout ever, pretty much. The talent, the energy, the skill, like that's, that's weird. It is unique, right? But that can be a gift too, right? Like think of that energy redirected in a way or the encouragement that he could give to someone and he could provide and help and the strength that's there, right? God has gifted and created all of us uniquely to serve. Just yesterday, I was... um selling one of our cars. Um, so we bought, we bought a minivan. <laughs> we bought a minivan because we have kid number three on the way. Yay to the kid, not the minivan. Um, but we bought a minivan. Anyways, so we had to sell one of our cars. And so I have someone that's in, had someone that was interested in it, and it's like a private party sale. And it could just be sketchy, right? Like a private party sale, it's, it's like sketchy. You don't you know, like, there's the money exchange, there's the paperwork, some random dude showing up, driving from who knows where. And in this situation, there's kind of like a little bit of a language barrier. So that was like a little scary, too. Um, I rode in the back seat on the test drive. That was weird. Like, this is what I felt like I got locked in. Like, it was just it was sketchy. Um, but to help me out, I called up my buddy, Brandon, who's 6'4". He's gifted and being substantially bigger than me, right? Now, sure, I am a fifth-degree black belt. Like, I don't know if you knew that. That's a, that's a real thing. Then the buyer doesn't know that, though. And by no means do I even want to deal with, like, an altercation if it, like, presented itself. So I called my big friends, right? And it's just, like, what a gift, right? Like, it's like no one's messing with a 6'4 dude. Now, in no means am I implying, like, that serving your pastor is what God is, was gifting you for. I'm not saying that at all. But we all have unique gifts and abilities and strengths, and we're created for unique things. First Peter 4.10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Based off of the study of Scripture, there tends to be two types of gifts, uh, gifting from God. Um, 
how we're created is kind of like one category, such as like your talents, your abilities, right? And then the other one, it would be like spiritual gifts, a gift given to you when you become a believer. Both are meant for serving others as God's intention for our life is to love God and love others, right? In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says specifically, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Now, there are numerous lists out there of like, or like little quizzes you can take to help you maybe discover your spiritual gift as like presented in scripture. There's different, there's different verses people pull from. We actually like in our starting point seminars, like one of the videos helps you find maybe your spiritual gift. And you can take that by clicking that top right partnership button and do those starting point seminars. And that can maybe help you find your spiritual gift and discover it. You can do that at any time. But all that aside, if you just think about you for a second, what do you think your talents are? Like what's something you feel God maybe has gifted you to help others with? I've said this before, but God usually uses or usually gifts you spiritually to fill a need for the community that you will invest in. So if you're not serving or contributing to the community that you are plugged into, your community is probably lacking in that area and not getting what it needs because of you. Like, I don't mean to be that like harsh, but it's true. You've been gifted with the intention to serve others. What are your talents? What are your gifts that God has given you to use for your community? Like, is it, is it helps? Like you just, you're, you have the ability to help and you just like have the desire to help. Is it, is it being an empathetic person and just like caring for that person? Maybe it's a good listener or a good teacher. Maybe it's being willing to try anything. Like you're like, you're just strong. You're, I can carry heavy things. I could do that. Or maybe it's techie or you're the rallier. You can get people on board with things. Maybe it's being one who's like financially generous or maybe you have a passion for kids or teens. You've been gifted to serve. Today, if you are not serving and don't feel rooted in faith, is there a wonder why, right? Like if you're, there's no wonder then at that point that you aren't rooted in faith then because serving is part of it. Again, with all of our topics in this series, they aren't something we are just trying to do, but we know needs to be in our lives and serving is no different. Are you convinced that serving is what, it's what Jesus tells us to do? It's what God has done for us. It's the way of God. It helps you biologically. You were created and saved for it. Are you convinced it needs to be in your life? If so, our last section of our message today is to start somewhere. It could be for another organization. It could be something outside of church for, for people or or God that are like around you or in your life. And it can be here. It can be at church. Again, I'm a bit biased, but if you're not serving here, the community that you are a part of, that's what a church is, a community of believers. There might be a void here because we need you, that you've been gifted to help here. And we would love to have you. You might be thinking like, I don't really have church skills, Aaron. Like, or I don't really know like what my gift could be in the church world. And my response is start somewhere, right? Again, to get rooted, it's not trying, it's committing to training, choosing to start training with serving, finding where you can best serve, not just if I should serve. When you walked in, I, I hope you saw one of these guys. You heard JC mention it in there. 
they're not bad, right? They're all over the place. Whoa, he's coming after me. They're all over the place. And you maybe saw them at like a different spot. We have them like in, where else? We have by the kids. We had them by the care station, by our media, uh, greeting. We have a setup tear down one. They're, they're all over. And what they're, do, they're meant for is they're meant to represent bodies or volunteers. Because to make church or a service and make a place where people come to worship the Lord, to make that happen, we need people to serve. Do you remember the saying? I want to say it was like two years ago. Um, that HR was generally saying, or like employers were saying quite often, I kept hearing this, we'll take any warm body with a pulse. Does anyone remember that? Like I remember like hearing it all the time. And what it meant was we need people badly and we literally take anybody. That was so 2021, wasn't it? Like during the great resignation time. I don't know if it was good or bad. You maybe have different opinions about that time period. But that mentality, it hasn't changed with God, and it hasn't changed in the church. Not that like, we just want volunteers, people who are just like a warm body and like have a pulse. We want more than that. But we think there is a place for anyone in the church. And we will keep adding more and more people because we believe you are gifted and saved to serve. These guys aren't cutting it. Right? They're not cutting it. We want you. We need you. Will you come on board with us and, and help us not just put on a service? That's not what it's all about here. Like, I mean, church offers a service, but it's a gathering. It's a community. Just like you would maybe like at a barbecue or dinner at a friend's house. Whenever you would go to something like that, if you're showing up to a barbecue, many of you would ask, can I bring something? Right? And then when you're there, like, and you see people scrambling, you're like, what can I do to help? Unless it's a dude party, right? <laughs> but a gathering, like a barbecue, is what it's like to serve here. When you help, it isn't just to put on, like, the flashing light service or whatever, but it's to play a role to prepare a place to help another person encounter God and take the next step in their relationship with God. That's our mission here. For example, how you can do that is, you might think you're just, you're just hosting, handing out bulletins at the door there. But you're welcoming someone who maybe never feels invited anywhere. Or the person who's so nervous about attending church for the first time. And you get to greet them. You might think that you're just playing an instrument or, or singing on, on stage here. But you're actually helping someone engage in an intimate connection with God. You might feel like you're just holding a baby in the littles or the kids area but you're giving love to that child while the parent is able to have a restful hour to connect with the Lord. You might feel like you're just making coffee over at the hospitality area. You're just making coffee, but you're creating a space where people will start to talk with other Christians, where they can start sharpening each other to live it out more. You might feel like you're just babysitting if you're in kids ministry, but you're teaching the kids the love of God and you have the opportunity to help them love church, maybe not like you did, and where you'll be able to directly mold and help the upcoming generation. I could keep going, right? With youth or setup or teardown or care team, but you get to play a role here of doing something special, of using your gifting. This February, we are inviting you to join the dream team just for like one month it's just a one month kind of thing is what we're looking for 
Uh, the dream team is anyone who serves here at church kind of once a month is most of the roles. But this February, we're calling it Rookie Month. Rookie Month, a month where you're rookies, you're trainees, you're trying to like try things out for the first time, and you can try something new and not feel the pressure. I'm also announcing it as Rookie Month because I wanted to let you know it might be a rougher month for us. A lot of trainees in positions. So if you're just checking out church, like just know that it's coming. Uh, but, but we have about like 250 weekly attenders. That's how many people here are each Sunday. Um, we have about 100 volunteers currently right now. We're looking to add about 50 people to try different roles. And right now, we're looking for commitments of someone just to try, just February. So would you sign up to serve one time next month? If so, I want you to take a card. There's a card in front of you. Um, it's the serving card. It looks kind of like this. There's also some in the back there that you can grab on your, on your way out. But fill that out. Just check it, and we'll have someone reach out to you to start the conversation to try sometime in February. Just one time. Just one time. And what you can do is at, at the boards back there, um, we have some uh, keychains. And these keychains are meant for you to take, put on your keychain, have with you. It says dream team. It means you try the dream team. So it's a little gift we want to give you. But exchange that keychain with your card on the board. All right, so take that keychain with you and then put your card on the board, and we'd love to see you be a part of the Dream Team this February. But take this first step in serving to start getting rooted in it. Remember, uh, there was a line that Jesus said in that story I was telling you that I wanted you to hold on to. It says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. I feel Jesus, or I feel this is Jesus saying, I'm the one who roots you in these spiritual practices. I need to serve you first so that your service to others is rooted in me and lasts. This is actually what people claim to be the success of Chick-fil-A, the organization. It serves their employees so well. It says one of their values is we're here to serve. We keep the needs of our local owner operators, their team members, and guests at the heart of our work doing what is best for the business and best for them. They're all about serving them first. Now, sure, you and I, we might like serve others out of desire or their need or, or just because it's a nice thing to do. But Jesus, what Jesus was saying is when your service and love towards others is rooted in me, the one who gave you everlasting love and will continually serve you with forgiveness, you will then experience forever love and the desire to forever serve others. So let God wash you. Let God serve you. And don't forget Jesus first loved you and first served you. And have that be what keeps you rooted in serving. I'm going to pray that we do that. Would you pray with me as I close and ask for God to help us stay rooted in serving? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us uh, a clear view of why we should serve. You tell us to, could for us. You've saved us for it. So God, I just pray that you have us act on, on taking the action of serving wherever that is. And God, I just pray that um, we can be rooted in the fact that you served us and loved us first and experience that and, and hold on to that and have that be why we are rooted as someone who serves. Help us continue to serve others well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.